Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Welcome to Blog Talk Radio in high fidelity. Henry, is that you? Yes, I'm here. Hi. Ah, I just told your friend. We're almost ready to go on. All right, great. How do you pronounce your last name? Geddes? Uh, we say Geddes. Um, Geddes. Yeah. How do you pronounce it? Uh, I don't know. I would say like, like lettuce. Geddes. Geddes. Am I pronouncing yeah, it correctly? You got it. Okay. <laughs> now, the first question I always ask a little bit about your personal background. Okay. Then I'll talk about your product. i ask you about your product and how you came to it. Is that a plan? Okay. That sounds like a good plan. Oh, boy. says we're on already. Okay, good. Okay. Um, we're here with, with Henry Geddes. He's here to talk about a, a fabulous new product that I'm using. Well, Henry, welcome to the program. Thank you. We, we always ask our, our uh, guests one, one question. Uh, tell us a little bit about yourself personally before we talk about anything else. All right, Don. Well, I, I was born in South Africa, and I moved to to Manhattan in the late 90s where I studied uh, photography. And um, at the time, you know, photography could be uh, in different categories, either photojournalism. It, some people are drawn to it because of the technical aspects. They love the cameras and the, the aperture and, and so forth. And what really drew me to photography was... Um, the fashion and portrait photography. And so I specialized in fashion photography and portraiture, um, which led me to then open um, a production studio, which I opened in Manhattan. Um, and we serve uh, customers such as Macy's, JCPenney's, Nike, Victoria's Secret, and we help produce their shoots. Um, and then I opened up a, a satellite studio in, in Miami, which uh, really catered to those shoots that happen in the, in the winter. So all those brands that I just mentioned, they shoot their summer catalogs in, in sunny Miami for the, uh, for the fall collection. So that's, that's the basic background of, of my uh, photographic career. You still have the studios? I do, yes, I do. Oh, so in other words, um, uh, you you have the best of both worlds. You do fashion, fashion, um, and and other ty- types of shoots, which 
which I've always found fascinating. And uh, you, how did you, now you have a product, and, and I'm going to let you describe what your product is. I'm using it, but I want your, uh, you to tell our audience about it. Okay, so uh, you know when you're, you're trying to connect with someone via Skype, FaceTime, Facebook Live, etc., and and the person on the other side uh, or yourself looks kind of dark, blurry, or grainy. So we at Chatlight make lights that attach to your desktop, tablet, or any other screen that are specifically designed for video chats and live streams. So what the Chatlight is is a small portable light designed by myself, a photographer, to properly illuminate oneself to look clear, bright, and and better online. So um, we we were fortunate enough to to have a successful Kickstarter campaign uh, about a year ago, which allowed us to to bring this this product to to light. Well, I'm, I'm, uh, let's make it clear because uh, our audience can't can't see what what you're talking about. But basically, we're, we're t- it, it's uh, it's about four inches uh, wide, four or five inches wide, has a very bright, intense light, and it clips onto the onto your uh, uh, onto your screen, and it provides very intense light. And the best part about it is it plugs into your computer as well. Uh, I, I've right, used right. it on a nu- numerous occasions. Uh, uh, and I, I found it so terrific. I had to have you on the program. Excellent. Yeah. Well, you know, the the this whole thing began when I was, um, you know, I was living in New York, and uh, in 2003, Skype was launched. And as you know, at the time, Skype was pretty revolutionary. And uh, suddenly, you know, we were we were able to 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 do a face to face talk with friends and family, you know, all over the world. It was, it was unbelievable. But the problem from my sort of photographer's perspective was the person just doesn't look bright enough, you know? Um, and so the obvious thing for me was, listen, why don't you turn your, your computer around and face a big bright window? That's the, that's the first cure. But what if you, like most people, you don't have that option. So you're in an office type or you happen to be chatting at night so, you know, I had these, the, I had the benefit of understanding I could take a studio light, put, put up the umbrella, and boom, there we, you know, solution found. However, most people don't know how to deal with that kind of problem. And so that's sort of the, the seeds that started this whole idea for me to sort of, let's bring to market an affordable solution, you know, that anyone can just sort of clip on their computer or on their laptop and look way better than they would otherwise. Well, I, I know that um, uh, um, uh, people have, to- have told me that. But the, uh, well, well, the, next, the next question is, how did you source your, your product? How did I source the product? Mm-hmm. Uh, so one of our partners um, is, has a company called Music, which is an audio headphone company, and that is that is it's sort of smart audio uh, connectivity, 
And so we had the we had the ability to tap into his resources for design and and manufacture, which was really fortunate. Mm -hmm. Well, um, where do you manufacture the product? The where the product is manufactured out of China. Um, we'd love to manufacture it here, but it's just really to, in order for us to bring the price down. It's really hard to find someone who could who could do it competitively for sure. Okay, but let's talk about price. What is the price of your product? Okay, so the price is uh, twenty nine ninety nine, and um, you can you can you can get it. You can buy the product via a couple of ways, primarily primarily through our website, um, or you can go to Amazon.com. Most people have an account there, and thirdly, there's a gift. Um, a very good site called the Gromit, and so all three locations are, are you can you can buy the product online. Okay, uh, and you say you had a Kickstarter campaign. Uh, what made you decide to go that way, and how did how did it work? People always hear about Kickstarter, but tell us how you decided to do it, etc. All right, so uh, it's a good question, Don, because I think that the 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 invention or the or, or Kickstarter and other crowdfunding sites are really just another revolutionary development because now you could literally test your idea and start a company through the through the through the World Wide Web. People out there who can back your product. So essentially, you come up with an idea. Or, or, or a product, or a book, a video game, whatever, and you put it on the Kickstarter platform, which has you know millions of users. People can sort through and, and, and see what ideas are out there, and if they like them, they they back them. And in return for backing a project, could be anything from five dollars to fifty dollars. They get what is called a reward. So, let's say you back a normal company, you might get equity in the company. On on the on a Kickstarter campaign, you don't get equity; you get a reward in, and usually that's maybe the product itself. So in our case, we 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 said, listen, give us twenty-five or thirty dollars, and hopefully we'll get to the, enough money that we could uh, do a first run of manufacturing. And in return, if we hit the target, we'll send you one, two, or three chat lines. And so it's really a fantastic way of. Um, Raising some money, number one, and I think more importantly, uh, these things are are a test to see if if the market uh, is willing to to pay money for your product. And so we were we were thrilled with the result, and I highly recommend it to to anyone who has an idea. Um, you know, put it into action. Just try it out. It's not it's not easy to do. Um, there's a lot of competition, but it's certainly worth uh, worth a test. Well, that's true, um, but um, I was told you also have to uh, provide your own list uh, uh, to Kickstarter in order to uh, put your product up. Is that true? Uh, sorry, you said I have to provide my own what? Uh, a list of uh, p potential uh, investors as well, as well as using their list. Uh, no, you don't. It's actually it's it's very sort of um, 
it's very neutral that way. They they just say, look, show us your idea, and you ha- you've got to present it online. You have to sort of make a promotional video, have a story about how the pr- the product solves a problem, pictures, specs, and it's really a, a campaign to say, please support this, bring this product to life, and you're appealing to 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 anyone out there. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and uh, were you were you oversubscribed to your target or not? Yeah, we we actually we were uh, we looked to raise uh, fifty thousand dollars, and we ended up just short of sixty thousand. So we ended up with over a thousand backers, um, which is another benefit of of Kickstarter, for example, is that so so before you even launch your your product, you now have a thousand customers. And so that's a great way of um, building your base. You get real honest feedback, and um, you can go back to back to your customers and say, "Hey, look, if you like the first one, we have now a version two or a version three. Um, you've got a built-in base, which is which is good to build off." Well, um, now let me ask you the question: Do you ha- uh, have a follow-on project product in mind? Yeah. Well, you know we. We we have a version two and three, which is going to be um, incorporating a smart smart technology, whereby the lights the light itself will have um, adjustable uh, features to it. So where now we have the light can go on. It's got a medium and a high setting. Uh, versions two will have a would have a slider a slider, so you can vary the amount of light you want yourself. And the second feature will be where the, the you know, Don, there's light comes in various color temperatures. So, you know, sunset, sunrise is very orange, warm light. And whereas midday is very white light, it's pure white. And so what we have found that one of the challenges is to really get the right temperature, the right color of light for everybody's skin tone. And um, so we, we plan to put in a feature where you can adjust the temperature. So if you if you have a darker skin, you might benefit from, from a, a whiter, more bright light. And if you have a paler skin, you might benefit from having the, the color temperature being slightly warmer. So that's pretty exciting. And I think that um, what, people have, what people missed with the first chat light is that this is a, um, a consumer product that people can talk to each other via Skype, etc. But there is a blind spot in, in in communications today where people in business uh, commerce are using the product for interviewing, for example. Um, mm-hmm. They're using the product for con- for consulting. Um, they're using they're using video chat communications uh, for t- teaching and education, as well as um, you know, you've, you've seen Facebook Live now. Uh, if, if you've looked at your, let's say you have a Facebook feed, you'll notice how much of the feed is video oriented. So we feel that like the, the general communication, both personally and, and in business, is becoming more and more and more video based. And so let's just take for example, so we do, someone has um, a, a hiring company, the recruitment company, and what they do for customers is they are they they pre-vet, pre-hire, pre-select candidates, and one of the one of the big things is 
to get to get to make the right connection between people. And so my thought is, wouldn't it be a competitive advantage to to have uh, a very an optimal um, video chat experience where you can see a person very very clearly and and read a person's body language because a lot of communication is in in visual cues that if you're not in front of them face to face or via video chat you may miss a whole lot of stuff and so I think mm-hmm. there's an advantage to, to 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 use this video chat in so many uh, facets of business why not look as best as you can you're absolutely right now having um, said all that obviously you're an entrepreneur with your own uh, uh, studio etc what have you learned over the years as an entrepreneur that you would pass on to other people you know what I've learned is um, there that there's a couple of challenges uh, in 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 doing anything entrepreneurial. Um, you know, it goes back to the, you know, one of the words I use is resistance. I think we a lot of people have some internal resistance. You've heard of the the writer who doesn't write, or like the painter who doesn't paint, or the entrepreneur who who never starts a venture but always talks about this. And so the 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 inner resistance, uh, you've got to sort of just crack that and, and take the step. For, uh, to, to, just to use the Kickstarter example, what is scary about Kickstarter or starting a venture or opening up, up your own coffee shop is that the public won't respond positively and you know, you, you deemed a failure. And so I think the breaking the resistance and just taking that, that that step and the second step and just moving forward with it is critical. Um, then the and I think the second thing is um, getting people's attention. In today's uh, market, it is just so hard for people to stop a second, take notice, and process what you're doing, and then and then buy. So whether they're going to pay for your your consulting and pay for your product you need to get their attention and it's 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 almost it's such a daunting task nowadays how do you even do it and i think it leaves a lot of people paralyzed in trying to work this out so i would say to people really like you know read read as much as you can educate yourself um and keep current you know don't be lazy like read and break through that 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 morass of, of noise that's out there and sort of get people's attention and you know push forward for sure and then um, and I think that one of the things that that I found challenging and I would I would I would look to people to to think carefully about is what category are you in and really look at that carefully and say look am, am I in a space that has potential um, because you're gonna, you're gonna, it's gonna be, it's so difficult to stand out that you, you need to be in a space where if you're gonna put in, put in, put in the energy to do something, it's got to be worthwhile at the end. And so, you know, between, between really trying to say, am I gonna enjoy this? Because it's gonna be a lot of work. And is there, a, is there an upside? Is there scale to this? Uh, 
you know, pay attention to that kind of thing. Can we get it? That's terrific. Tell us again the name of your product and where people can get it. All right, Don. So it's uh, chatlight.com, C-H-A-T-L-I-G-H-T.com, chatlight.com. Okay. And and again, uh, it's a very fascinating um, um, it's a very fascinating um, product, and we're so glad you came. I'm enjoying using it. You sent me a sample, and I have to tell you, it just works terrifically. Thank you for being with us, and have a great Thanksgiving. Thank you. Likewise. Take care. Hmm. Our next guest is Andrew Hay. He's a CISO of Data Gravity, uh, and we're going to talk about a lot of different things. But uh, Andrew, welcome to the program. Hey, thanks for having me. Now, um, uh, we're going to get into details about security, et cetera. But tell us a little bit about your background, because you have a fascinating background that, that, I, uh, that I want our audience to know a little bit about. Sure. So uh, I've been the CISO at uh, Data Gravity now for the past, well, coming up on a year. Um, so I'm responsible for all of the internal security and the external and product security as well. Um, and so prior to that, I ran the research team at OpenDNS, which was acquired by Cisco uh, a little more than a year ago, probably a year and a half ago. I guess the acquisition officially went through. Uh, before that, I was uh, at Cloud Passage, uh, doing a lot of cloud security evangelism and research. And you know, before that, I was uh, an industry analyst for a few years at 451 Research. Uh, I worked in the information security office at a university in Western Canada. I lived and worked at a bank in Bermuda, working in the information security office. And uh, you know, going back to the very beginning, I think uh, I first got my start in IT by doing dial-up tech support for uh, for users that were calling in from Tennessee, rural, very rural Tennessee. <laughs> mm-hmm. Wow, you had a fascinating career. Um, that's a relatively new title, CISO. Would you explain that a little bit before we go any further? Because I, I, I found it puzzling at the beginning until I figured it out. Sure. So it stands for Chief Information Security Officer. Uh, and the role, it's, it's an executive role within quite a few companies now. Uh, sometimes it is listed as uh, CSO, where it's Chief Security Officer. Sometimes you'll see... Uh, you know, a CTO with VP of security, but the, the main role of a, of a CISO is to represent the security concerns of the organization uh, and make sure that the company, the organization, all of the divisions are unified in the security vision for the company and for the servicing of the customers. So just like a, a CTO is responsible for all of the technology, the CISO is responsible for all of the security across the company. And why is it becoming more and more important in this world to have such a role? 
for a company? Well, you know, I'd say probably 10, 15 years ago, uh, it wasn't viewed to be an important role. But as security concerns really started to uh, gain press attention and require further scrutiny, um, organizations realized, uh, or at least individuals within organizations realized, that having a non-executive security leader wasn't as effective as having someone with a seat uh, in the executive you know, at the executive table, um, because, you know, the, the, it's all well and good to have a business that uh, exists to make money and service customers, but if part of that is disrupted by uh, lack of security or security incident, then someone needs to be able to handle that and, you know, mitigate it and prevent it from happening again in the future. Um, uh, Emma, how, uh, how do you do, deal with that? And how does your company uh, deal with that? You're on this program because you're, you're you're one of the few experts I've run across that that has that is articulate as you are. Tell us a little bit more um, because I know our audience just uh, uh, judging from the emails I've gotten about this subject are really interested in what you have to say. Sure. So what's what's interesting is I would say that there is a, a very defined difference between uh, someone who is acting in this chief information security role for a non-product company. So like a non, sorry, a non-vendor, a non-security vendor um, or a non-vendor in general, because in a typical organization, let's just say a Fortune 2000 company, uh, the individual rarely, if ever, has input or um, any sort of you know, product function within the company. Their role is exclusively designing, or defining, designing, and implementing security for the organization. Um, but also you know, measuring its effectiveness, communicating that effectiveness to the, the executive team, and just making sure that you know, all the checks and balances are, are balanced. Um, whereas in a, you know, a, a software startup or a, a security company, uh, you wear, just like in any startup, you wear as many hats as your, your head can really hold. And so I'm doing the internal security, but also influencing and helping define product direction, uh, making sure that uh, what we are designing and, and, and messaging is something that a person like me would be interested in buying if I was in one of those other companies. So I'm, you know, really, I get a lot of questions from um, you know from my peers saying hey you know would a CISO you know would this resonate with a CISO would this would this feature be something that uh, someone in your position would pay for to secure their organization so it's it, it, it it's a role where I have to put myself uh, on both sides of the table and it's 
really interesting to do that just dynamically and kind of switching it around from time to time. And what does your company do now? So we, we're a security software provider, uh, and we our entire company exists to help people protect, identify and protect their sensitive data. So um, if you think of all of the files that you may have lying around uh, that have personally identifiable information like your name, address, social security number, credit card number, and then multiply that by you know exponential values, uh, that's what the average organization that handles customer information has to protect. And not only do they have to protect it, but they have to first identify it. So what we have is um, a software product that allows you to discover uh, where all of this, where all of these sensitive files are located, uh, where that, you know, what type of information is stored within that sensitive data and then show you who's accessing it and with what frequency they're accessing it. Wow. That's really interesting. That, that to me is very interesting. Um, uh, uh, please continue. Um, uh, do you think that these threats are going to expand over time? Yeah, they're, they're definitely going to expand over time. Uh, as long as personal information has a, a tangible financial value associated with it, uh, combined with the ease at which someone can acquire that information from a compromised company and then sell it, uh, it's, you know, it's going to keep evolving. And it's no longer you know, just individuals that are doing it from, you know, their parents' basement. That's, that is not the, uh, the typical profile of an attacker of this nature uh, that's trying to get this personal information. It's uh, loosely organized or even, you know, formally organized criminal enterprises that are doing this as a business. They are compromising hospitals, um, financial services organizations and trying to get as much information as possible that they can take and sell on the, you know, the quote unquote underground uh, market or dark web, like it, it's being referred to recently or lately. And uh, those all have tangible financial gains associated with them. So it's going to keep getting more organized and it's going to expand considerably. Well, okay. Um, what are the, some of the things small businesses um, or any business should be doing to um, uh, protect the, themselves um, besides uh, working with your company and other companies? Well, so the, the first thing that, sorry, go ahead. So I, I was going to say that the first thing I always recommend to people, and this comes back 
to my days of working at a bank, working at a university, and it's being, you know, you have to become data aware. You need to understand where your sensitive information is located before you can protect it. Because it's, you know, if you think about um, building a castle, the first thing is not going to be, all right, I'm going to build a wall and then decide later on, okay, well, that, that wasn't the best place for my castle, but I've got this wall, so uh, I'll, I'll just leave that there and I'll build my castle, you know, three miles down the road. That's not how you build it. You build your central castle first and then you build the protections around it. And, uh, you know, we've been doing that for hundreds of years, but when we think from a computer security and data security perspective, we're often trying to bolt on additional security countermeasures uh, before we even understand what it is we're trying to protect. So if you have a better sense of what you're trying to protect, the value of that information, uh, then you can protect it accordingly. Now, that's great advice. Um, <laughs> I haven't thought of that way. Can you go on? Can you give us a, a, another one? Um, sure. Yeah, I'm you, full of analogies. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, believe me, we have the time for this because this is such a critical issue for small businesses. Yeah, definitely. Uh, so, you know, if you think... So I, you know, I'm, I'm Canadian. I came here uh, and living in San Francisco now. And one of the things that I had to go through was the entire uh, green card process after I had my work permit approved and everything. But what I kept having to send information. So fill out all of these forms, put pretty much every piece of information that could ever be used to easily steal my identity, scan my, uh, my passport and all the pages, scan my driver's license, uh, send my marriage certificate, you name it. Send all of that along via email to a law firm. So once I send that information to them, I have no guarantees that they are protecting the data in, in a way that I would feel confident, but it's that that's just the nature of, of how we conduct business. And small businesses really take that into account as well. You know, they're dealing with a number of, if you think of something, uh, an organization as small as a, uh, like a, a small corner store, where a small mom and pop shop, let's say, where there's maybe two people uh, that own it and operate it, they have a number of partners and distributors that they have to deal with. And the information that they're sharing with them may be, could be quite sensitive, all the way from, um, you know, customer names and transactions for credit cards or debit cards uh, to order numbers and even giving the that vendor or supplier of, uh, of food products, giving them your corporate credit card number or account numbers. So all of this information is being strewn 
over the internet and between multiple parties, but as soon as you let go, it's, it's kind of like a letter or a postcard. Actually, a postcard is probably a, a much better analogy. The postcard, you know, once you put a postcard in the mail, you have no, no control over who has the ability to read the note that you've written on the postcard because it's available to be read by anyone along the way. You don't know the qualifications or the security rigor uh, invested by the Postal Service or any carriers along the way. You're just you know, implicitly trusting that it is going to get from point A to point B within the given time frame and that nothing is going to be altered or uh, you know, stolen or copied along the way. And that's how a lot of people treat security, especially SMBs. They're, you know, a, a small, medium business is, in most cases, they're trying just to stay operational, generate revenue, make sure that they can pay their employees, pay their bills. And when something like uh, protecting secure data or sensitive data comes up, it's it's often thought as thought of as a hey this isn't really you know this isn't why I'm in business uh, I, I may not pay attention to that or I may not have the the spare time or cycles or money to invest in understanding and protecting that but that really is a big concern uh, especially when there are financial penalties and and sometimes criminal penalties, depending on the state that you're in, associated with the theft of, of your customer data. Um, because you, know, you may be on the hook for something as simple as credit monitoring that you'd have to pay for for a year, or it could be a class action lawsuit from all of your customers saying, hey, we all of our information that we shared with you was stolen uh, and now you're going to pay for you know, you're going to pay out the nose for uh, our time and the, the pain that we may have incurred so that could be devastating to a small business so the in investment in security is a cost of doing business that has to start being thought of by every size of business, not just the, you know, the Fortune 2000. Yes, very definitely. The name of your company again and how people can reach you and, and it? Sure. So the company is Data Gravity, and uh, you can learn about our product, read about uh, just security in general. If you go to www.datagravity.com, um, we spell it out. We're also uh, d a t a g r a v i t y dot com. And if they wanted to we talk to have you, a, uh, if you want to talk to me, the best way is to find me on Twitter. Uh, it's just Andrew S M Hay, H A Y. Okay, I mean, you were going to say you also have, <laughs> right? But you, I interrupted you. I was going to say you also have something else. Oh, well, we also have a blog that uh, we update very frequently with security tips and tricks, and 
um, security news and our takes on things. So that's that blog can be found off of the main datagravity.com webpage. Oh. Well, uh, you know, uh, uh, Kevin, you've got to come, uh, Andrew, you've got to come back and, and talk some more. Yeah, happy to. Uh, <laughs> uh, it's been fascinating. Uh, it scares me to death each time I hear someone like you uh, uh, because we're, we're a small <laughs> company too. But uh, uh, we wish you a happy Thanksgiving, and we definitely are going to have you come back. Yeah, happy to. All right. Thank you very much. All right. Bye. Our next guest is Kevin O'Connor. He's Vice President of Marketing for Neoport, Neopost USA, and he's talking about the subject that's dear to heart of small business, how to improve delivery efforts. Uh, Kevin, welcome to the show. Don, thank you so much. Good morning, everyone out there in the audience today. Well, uh, Kevin, we always ask our, our guests first, give us a little bit of, of your personal background before we do anything else. Sure. Thanks, Don. Kevin O'Connor, again, I work at uh, New Post USA. Uh, my current role here at New York Post USA is the Vice President of uh, Marketing with a uh, particular focus on our mailroom solutions business. Uh, like I said, I've been here for uh, seven years at New York Post USA and 20 years overall in the uh, mailing and uh, shipping industry. Okay. Well, uh, well, that's not about, okay. But uh, a question I always have, what is Neo Post USA? Um, yeah, it's, a, it's a great name, but what do you do? Yeah, Neopost USA is a uh, provider of both hardware and software solutions to uh, mailers and shippers of all sizes. Uh, we primarily sell our products and solutions to businesses, and as businesses engage in communications with their customers, which could be businesses or consumers, we try to provide them, again, hardware, software solutions that help them communicate through mail, through shipping solutions and through digital communications with the uh, solutions that we provide. Well, that's that's good. A lot of solutions, but uh, do you work with uh, helping them better uh, deliver their products, better uh, pull in the the, uh, the information? What do you do, and how can you uh, improve uh, uh, what is going to be a hectic period? Uh, for the, for the next four weeks or five weeks. Yeah, sure, Don. Thank you. You know, our major partner is the United States Postal Service. So we provide solutions that help customers prepare uh, mailing and shipping documents and parcels sent through the USPS, as well as some of the other carriers from a shipping perspective. And our solutions are really designed to help customers prepare both the contents of those mailing and shipping uh, documents and parcels they're sending to their end users. So we help customers prepare those documents, um, add some data integrity, fold and insert um, the contents into those uh, shipment, shipments and uh, envelopes, and then provide a very cost-effective way to find the best rates to uh, apply to those uh, mailing and, and uh, shipping output. Well, uh, give us an example of um, how you can make a, a smaller company uh, uh, more profitable in ter terms of fulfillment. 
Yeah, good example, Don. You know, especially this time of year, as a lot of small businesses look to ship products to their customers, we provide our customers shipping solutions or really shipping software that allows customers to easily create shipping labels and look for the most cost-effective uh, rates and delivery methods to be able to ship parcels to uh, to their customers uh, the most, again, cost-effective, productive, and uh, efficient way to make sure that they're um, getting those packages delivered to their customers within the uh, time frames. Well, you, you know, if you've got uh, uh, 20 SKUs and you're a small company and, and you've got uh, hundreds of customers, how do you sort it out to, 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 make, it, to make it more efficient? Uh, do you do it by size? Do you do it by uh, weight? Uh, what are some of the ways that, uh, a person could do a better job? Yeah, it's really a variety of ways. A couple that you already mentioned, Don. Um, when businesses ship packages to their consumers, they need to think about you know the size of the package, the volume of the package, the weight of the package, you know the dimensions of the package, obviously, uh, the geographic region to which they're shipping the package, and then also the, uh, the the delivery time frame by which they want to have that package shipped to the customer. All those factors go into the way that the uh, carriers uh, calculate the rates. And using tools like the solutions that we provide help businesses, help small businesses figure out the most economical and effective way to ship packages to customers. Well, can the small businesses get um, discounts from the post office for uh, having an X number of packages? Uh, is, that, is that something? Uh, I've always been fascinated by the... the uh, U.S. Postal Services, so many different um, uh, rate schedules depending on what you are and who you are. Yes, and typically, Don, if a, um, if a small business were to go to a retail counter at the USPS, uh, they may pay full retail rates. If you use one of the solutions provided by Neopost USA, uh, that um, small business can actually take advantage of some of the commercial rates, uh, discounted rates that we can provide to, uh, to shippers. Well, um, what is it? Is it a hundred parcels a month? Is there, um, what, what's the minimum some, someone should start looking at a solution like you provide? There's really no minimum. Um, not only do our solutions provide the most cost-effective way to get the, uh, the best shipping rates, um, but there's also a lot of additional features like the tracking capabilities uh, that we can provide in partnership with the carriers. Um, some of the insurance capabilities provided by the carriers. Um, so there's some additional benefits above and beyond just the cost savings perspective. Uh, many of these um, shipping solutions tools offered by companies like Neopost USA are very inexpensive. Could be as low as five or ten dollars a month to take advantage of um, all those services I just mentioned, including the uh, the commercial rates. Really. Well, like um, uh, in our business, this week, uh, this, in, in the next um, uh, six weeks, we'll put out like a hun- 120 packages to various things. Uh, you know, the um, you know the year-end packages, etc. To, to people, is that some? Uh, is that a, a good break break-even break point for us to us being information strategy to look at? Um, uh, uh, and the opposed uh, solution? 
Oh, absolutely, Don. Um, and actually, we have, you know we offer solutions um, for shippers of all sizes in terms of volumes. Um, but the type of volume you just described, uh, we have perfect solutions that really help you, you know, maximize the, um, you know, the productivity and efficiency as you prepare those packages, and really maximize the potential for cost savings uh, versus what you'd pay at uh, full retail rates at the counter. So um, that type of volume uh, is perfect for one of our solutions. And like I mentioned earlier, certain even lower volume shippers that send out a handful of packages every week. Um, are uh, you know are also good for for some of the solutions that we provide. Well, what are some of the questions uh, you ask a new potential customer um, when they come to you and say, "I'm looking looking for a shipping solution"? It really boils down to a handful of questions. Um, one, as we've just talked about, you know, what is their shipping volume? Um, second is you know what type of um, charges are they paying today for their uh, shipping services? Um, what types of challenges do they have in their shipping operations? Is it more about productivity? Is it more about cost savings? Is it more about delivery timeframes? Is it more about you know data quality? Things like that uh, are the types of questions that we would um, you know ask our customers or our targets uh, when we talk about some of our shipping solutions. You know we're really there to help consult customers in terms of what options are available to them from both a mailing and a shipping perspective, in particular this time of year, which can be both a fun and stressful time of year when you think about small businesses sending packages to their consumers. So it's really about just providing flexible solutions, cost-effective solutions, and asking customers or, or small businesses those key questions that I just mentioned and really help them you know, maximize their shipping operations over the next few weeks. Mm. Um, that's really uh, that's really interesting. Um, what are the three things uh, you tell uh, shippers to, to keep in mind in a period like this? I'm sorry. Can you repeat that question? Oh, what are the three three things? You, you tell uh, shippers that, that they should really keep in mi mind when they when they go about creating a, um, a program. Yeah, I would say the three things. Number one would be, um, you know, first, educate yourself on all the shipping um, options out there. There's a lot of resources online that can be easily located both on our website or directly on the courier's websites. So I would say number one, just educate yourselves on the, uh, you know, on the options that are out there. Uh, number two is really understand, you know, when, when uh, small businesses are shipping packages, all the different options in terms of dimensional weights, size, delivery dates, geographic zones, really understand, you know, where and how they're shipping their packages. Uh, and then number three is really what's the needs of their end users. Um, there are a lot of extra services provided at no additional cost from the carriers that can really add value to small businesses when they provide this service of shipping products to their end users in terms of delivery time frames, tracking services, et cetera. Hmm. Well, uh, again, the name of your website and how people can reach you or anybody in your organization? Sure. Our uh, corporate website is www.neopostusa.com. 
We also have a dedicated shipping website, uh, www.neopostshippingsolutions.com. And uh, certainly we have ways for um, customers and prospects to uh, request information through the websites. Uh, my direct contact information by email is k. Thank you for listening tonight. All of our guests are invited because they offer actionable. Sorry about that. I hit the wrong button. (laughs) That's okay. Kevin, say it again. Yep. Again, I'm not sure we got cut off, but our website, www.neopostusa.com. We also have a a dedicated shipping website, www.neopostshippingsolutions.com. And my personal contact information by email is k.ocoonnor at neopost.com. Well, uh, Kevin, Kevin, I think your people are going to be very busy from today onward. Um, So I'm not going to keep you much longer except to say thank you for coming and opening my eyes, if nobody else's, to uh, the possibilities of saving money shipping. Thank you. John, thank you so much for the time. And again, like you mentioned, this is a busy time of the year. Just make sure you educate yourself. Take advantage of a lot of the shipping solutions offered to make this a uh, a very productive and uh, beneficial shipping season for uh, small businesses. Thanks again, Don. No, thank you. Have a good day. You too. Thank you for listening tonight. All of our guests are invited because they offer actionable advice to our audience. They do not pay to join us, but rather demonstrate their capacity for helping our audience add profits. Thank you for listening, and we'll be here again next week with other experts to talk about ways to improve your profits. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.